Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters CMO podcast episode. Today is going to be a really interesting and incredible episode because in the past, we've talked to uh, executives within WNBA, we've talked to sports teams and others, but today we're going to be looking at the gaming industry as well as sports teams and really providing a, a 360 view as to both and, and what it truly means to be a fan, which is one of the most interesting categories as a whole. So today I'm joined by Kayla Green. Kayla Green is the head of global channel strategy at a little company called Riot Games that you may have heard of. Riot Games is a video game developer, publisher, and plenty more. And their most iconic game, I would argue League of Legends, is arguably one of the most popular games in the world, if not the most popular game. And just for reference, for all the sports fans out there that are still not big on gaming, at the 2019 League of Legends Championship, they reached 100 million unique viewers. And for reference, this year's 2020 Super Bowl with our Kansas City Chiefs featured only 99 million. But it doesn't stop there. Kayla is also a strategic advisor to Angel City. Angel City, backed by Natalie Portman, Julie Ehrman, and Kara Nortman, is bringing a women's professional soccer club to the City of Angels in 2022, and we couldn't be more excited to make it happen. Kayla, it's truly an honor to have you on today. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So the first thing I want to dive into is what it means to be a fan, whether in gaming, sports, so on. The yeah. phrase, of course, fan stems from fanatic, which if you look into the definition of it, implies kind of some insanity, right? And, and, and used to be used as a phrase for insane, single-minded approaches and ideologies towards religions or philosophies or who knows what it may be. Yet it's something that we see in culture today is so embedded within our society that we don't we don't look the other way. And when sports fans will go pay thousands of dollars to go sit in 20 degrees to watch a football game, we, we don't blink. Yet the, the, the reality is that, that that tends to be kind of an insane situation to put yourself in, let alone pay for. So I'd love to, to get a sense from you of what is fan culture? What is fandom? And, and what does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, insanity couldn't be more accurate when you think about March Madness, right? Uh, why is it called madness? Madness is tied to insanity. So I think <laughs> it's, it's a truism of sports. It's also a truism of gaming. Um, when you think about kind of the anatomy of fandom and what kind of makes a fan a fan, there are a couple of components that are true regardless of whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of gaming or a fan of anything else. The first is lore, right? L-O-R-E, which is your history, your storytelling. Um, I, it's the thing that people kind of are attracted to because there's a unique story. Uh, it's a unique, um, you know, reason for coming together with others who are attracted to the same story. And, especially in gaming, it's what helps us kind of create that magnetic uh, lasting fandom is the lore. And if you've played anything of League of Legends, you know that the lore is really important to us. Um, and so, you know, great storytelling attracts, you know, great amounts of fandom. I think the other part that is important to think about in terms of, you know, kind of what's core to a fan is the tribal nature of the community that fans uh, kind of create or they rally together, right? Um, 
And when you think about kind of why that community exists, at the center of it is that all of these fans trust each other. They all believe in the same thing. They all they all want to see their same team succeed, or they all want to play the same um, story over and over again. And so it's got like this really deep kind of tribal nature to it. Um, it's almost like pretty, it, it's very raw. And then I think the last is, you know, and I think a, a lot of this plays out probably more in sports teams than gaming, but I do think that it, it, it does resonate in gaming as well, is that, you know, uh, you're usually coming together because your mission is aligned, right? So you might carry the same core values that the team stands for uh, or that the game stands for. And so, you know, what what kind of manifests from that motivation is that true passion, right? Uh, again, back to that kind of very raw uh, behavior and that raw feeling. Um, it's because people are, you know, so in- inherently tied to, what the purpose is, um, and it and it aligns with what their own per- personal purpose is. Certainly, that's incredible insight into what is a very interesting category. And you know, when it comes to uh, you know fan and marketing towards kind of that fan kingdom, right? I always think about brand love. You know, and, we, and this is a phrase that has risen among the the many that a lot of times don't make sense in the marketing realm, but. Brand love in particular, this notion that consumers are buying into products based on uh, the, the purpose and the sustainability and the feel and what aligns with their personality and willing to pay a premium for that and truly embracing that culture of the brand. Yet, at the end of the day, if that product or brand does not serve any benefit to me long term, or let's say it goes on a losing streak, or let's say you know the ticket prices are up because this, that, and the other, which... Obviously, you know, what, what am I going to do as a consumer? Well, I'm going to shift to the next brand because I don't care. There's plenty of options and there still are plenty of options in the sports arena, yet we stick to it. We stay loyal to it. So that intimate relationship that fans have with their, their sports teams and their brands is one that is just a, a, an entirely new level. So when it comes to that, what does marketing look like inside of that fan culture environment? What are some of those ingredients of success when it comes to, uh, you know, maybe programs or campaigns or ultimately just better engaging fans? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll back up and kind of address the first point there, which I think is right in that, you know, we're never, we're never going to always make, you know, do it right. Right. Uh, uh, as much as I, you know, would love for Angel City to win every single game, and I believe that they will, there might be one that we lose, right? And and I think it's the way that we uh, respond to that, you know, as as a team that you know kind of carries core values of just always celebrating the winning um, and always celebrating the athlete. I think it's important to know that you know there's kind of like this hero's journey, right? Um, you can't make it to the top of that mountain with a little, without a little bit of struggle or sometimes a lot of struggle. So I think that, you know, any fan who comes along and, you know, supports a game, plays a game, uh, supports a team, they know that there is a struggle before the success. And so I think it's making sure that, you know, we're all honest with ourselves and that we're never going to kind of hit the top of the mountain on day one. And we invite that community along. Uh, to kind of put in the work with us. Uh, I think, you know, then then the, the winning is that much sweeter, right? Uh, mm-hmm. After we've all put the sweat in. 
Um, in terms of marketing, I think, you know, sometimes uh, in, in thinking about kind of a bit of a fickle, uh, you know, fan or a fickle consumer, um, especially when, you know, that product or that brand is no longer mission aligned with their core values. Um, I think, you know, it's important to uh, make sure that the community is just core to any of your marketing mm-hmm. strategy, right? And so, you know, both with Riot Games as well as with Angel City, I think one of the big marketing strategies is to make sure that, you know, the community feels like they have this uh, very kind of like contributing mindset. Um, the game is uh, made great because of the players who play it, right? Oh, yeah. um, Angel City is going to be this powerhouse of players in Los Angeles because of the community that has just been waiting for this to happen. Um, and so I think once you give the community this opportunity to really kind of contribute to making something great, they're really personally invested in it. And I think that they see the fruits of their own labor kind of in the, in, in, uh, the manifestation of that product or the, or the marketing. And then I think, you know, the last, and, and it's per- pretty straight straightforward for any marketer, it's, you know, go where the players and the fans are, right? We've got to understand, you know, their world. And I think gaming and sports are probably the two of my favorite kind of, you know, industries because they blend into other passions, right? Like music and fashion and, um, you know, to be in gaming is to be in culture. Uh, to probably, I think you could say, to be in gaming is to be leading culture. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've seen anything from, you know, even the most announcements, uh, most recent announcements this week with Worlds uh, for uh, Riot Games is, is you know, the release of some of our newest music tracks with our, uh, with our mus- musical band KDA. Um, if you looked at some of the um, partnerships that we had uh, earlier this year and last year with Louis Vuitton, you begin to watch how the lines are really blending um, and blurring on where gaming starts and where gaming ends. And I think you could stay, say the same for athletics as well and sports teams. Um, you know, we think about kind of like what are kind of the most interesting and unique collabs that we can do from a merch perspective, right? And I think you're seeing that a lot with some of our sports brands. I mean, I'm watching athletes, you know, kind of start their own fashion lines uh, or take interest in other kind of cultural, you know, phenomenons. Uh, So I think that these are two industries that really start to, you know, very much kind of live in the zeitgeist of culture. Mm. And so as a marketer in those two industries, I think what you've got to do is know your product really well, know your audience really well, but you have to be tied so closely into culture. Yeah, and I think overall, brands are always thinking about how they can be better connected to and and even creating culture. And I think esports and, and the gaming community um, and what you all have done has really been about cultivating and, and then also creating within and, and supporting. And I think that takes, uh, takes things to another level because it's not just a matter of understanding. It's also mapping, projecting, figuring out where things are going. And if you truly understand your audience base, it's going to allow you to do so. And something that stood out early uh, in your answer there was about the struggle and the hero's journey that happens with sports teams. And at a personal level, my, my favorite by far, obviously the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. I'm from Kansas City. But my, my true favorite was the Royals in, in 2015. And, uh, you know, I'll list out our wins from, from 2004 on. And you can see how it goes up. So 58. 
By the way, MLB, 162 games. Could you imagine only winning 58 of those? That is atrocious. 58, 56, 62, 69, 75, 65, 67, 71, 72. Finally, in 2013, 86. We got a we got an above 500 record, but only by 10 games. And then in 2014, we win 89 games after the most incredible uh, July by Billy Butler, oddly enough, who then we we traded and got rid of after the season, and then lost in a very devastating fashion to the to the Giants Game Seven World Series on our home turf and i'll never forget that moment because it was just so soul crushing you're down one run you're right there you got alex gordon on third base and and boom the game's over and you come back the next year and pretty much dominate across the board and and win win over the mets four to one in the world series and and for me that was the true hero's journey of of growing up watching uh, the Royals where, you know, Jimmy Gobble is coming out in the seventh inning and he's got a 9.2 ERA average, but he's the best reliever we have on the team because we'd have no pitchers and no money. And, you know, our ownership at the time wasn't wasn't investing in it. So to me, the moments like that are, are so connected with with who I am and, and even my my, you know, my my growing up. Right. And and. Funny enough, too, the, the Royals won in 1985 and then 2015. So my dad and I were the same ages at both of those experiences. And so it, then it became very family-oriented traditions. And baseball is just such a traditional sport. But my question is, you know, when it comes to sports fans, there's so much rich culture there. And obviously ratings are dropping across the board for a lot of the major sports. And we see a shift that is taking place. But it's hard to break away from that 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 traditions and and history that that exists there. So I would ask from you: Does that hero's journey look the same in esports? And what is the difference between fans within the sports within the primary professional sports category and and those in gaming? And how do those those cultures kind of intertwine? I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I know uh, that that's certainly difficult to to unpack. And yeah. 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 Well, first off, I love that you kind of talked about your own personal journey to last the lasting fandom of a sports team. And that is so tied to the lore. Right. And the history and the story. Right. And, and so I should here you're, and I should totally yeah. mention as well. I forgot to mention this after they won. I have not been to a Royals game since I went to <laughs> I would go to 30 to 40 games every single year since about 2007. Haven't been to a game since. Ever since the Chiefs have won the 2020 uh, Super Bowl, haven't watched the Chiefs game because, to me, I love the struggle. I love getting there, winning, yeah. overcoming, a, and once they do it, I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like for another 30 years, right? So, so I <laughs> yeah. I should add in that caveat as well. But I'll let you continue. My apologies. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, the way you talk about it, you really talk about it like you're part of that community, right? And, you know, I think that it's probably kind of tied to who you are in your DNA that you'll always consider yourself belonging to that community of Royals fans, right? And that is like the true DNA of a fan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I think about kind of the differences between a fan of gaming or a gamer and a true sports fan, there are a couple um, but I think that they're very unique to the product or the, you know, the, the industry that they're in, right? So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, with gaming, so much is tied to that kind of curiosity, the mystery, puzzle solving, 
you know, with league, it's about strategy. It's about kind of multiverse of uh, stories and players. And so I think there's, you know, kind of some, some levels there that have to do more with um, kind of your own competitive nature and your own desire to compete. Um, and what do you get out of that personally? Um, so I think that that's, you know, kind of very core to what, uh, what a gaming fan, uh, you know, in the gaming culture uh, is. And then I think, you know, uh, the biggest difference is I think with the sports team, you're really kind of connected to that local community, right? You're tied to um, just the stories of the, the block by block, the street by street, the players that have come and gone. Uh, within, you know, your local sports team. Um, I think, you know, it's probably grounded in some more of the realities of like the local cultural zeitgeist as well. Um, you know, LA just had two uh, sports teams win two very important championships. And I mean, I think from an LA fan herself, you know, we're sitting here saying like this city deserved it. The fans deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about Angel City that way, way too, that, you know, the fans deserve better. L.A. deserves a women's soccer team. And, you know, I'm so pumped to be part of the team that's going to be bringing that to Los Angeles in 2022. I think the other part is, you know, there might be more of that kind of community team dynamic. Uh, when you talk about a sports team and, and the fan of a sports team, um, certainly that still exists within esports, but I think that might be kind of one of the biggest nuances is is the kind of individual co- competition and the individual, um, you know, as part of a community versus the community itself, you know, really rallying around a home team. Yeah, and a question I have for you, um, kind of extending off of that is the, you know, within the gamer versus sports arena. From, from a societal perspective, um, of course, we have a good sense of like what, what society believes and thinks of when it comes to sports fans and what that demographic might and could potentially look like. And similarly within gaming, yet if you were to get the pulse on it, there's certainly this notion that gaming fans are certainly lesser and could never be the same as sports fans, yet when you actually boil it down, isn't everyone just watching someone else do a particular activity? And is there any true difference? And is you sitting on the couch watching football getting you in better shape than you sitting on the couch and watching uh, your favorite influencer play League of Legends? You know, so th- that's something I've always struggled with, and I understand the, the certainly the skepticism from older generations that saw you know generations like like mine grow up and. Instead of going outside and playing basketball, maybe we were inside playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 for hours on end. Uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on like that stigma that exists uh, within this arena and, and why it is that we look down upon uh, gaming fans, at least from an external societal perspective, and yet we, we applaud sports fans. Is Any thoughts there? I don't know, Jake, if I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I look at a gamer, I look at, you know, some of our best Twitch streamers, um, some of our best players who play ranked, and I think they're brilliant. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a stigma attached to it. I think, you know, what's happened in gaming, at least within the last decade, and, and certainly within the last decade of Riot, is that we've been able to show that, you know, gaming is part of culture. 
um, to play League of Legends is to be a part of modern day society. I look at, I have a five-year-old son and uh, we spend lots of hours playing Animal Crossing together. And it just makes me so happy mm-hmm. to know that he can find, you know, another dimension of a world uh, where he can be someone else and he can do exploring and he can learn, um, you know, beyond just what he's learning in school or learning from us. So I actually think that the view of a modern day gamer today is someone like you and me. It's someone yeah. like my five-year-old, right? And, you know, I think maybe the biggest difference is athletes and gamers, you know, they're still competing. They're still training. We all still want to win. You know, in a weird way, I think athletes probably get a bit more airtime <laughs> than oh, yeah. gamers. And yet they're still putting in that work, right? And so I'm excited about what's happening with Riot Games and and especially within esports, uh, you know, even within the last 12 months of just the kind of airtime that esports is getting, um, you know, on primetime TV. Because I think that, you know, 2020 beyond is really going to be about, um, you know, considering gaming as, you know, a family pastime of let's let's all gather around the TV and, and watch our streamers stream or continue to play, you know, Animal Crossing all together. So yeah. I actually think what's going to happen, at least for marketers like me, is we're going to start to compete for airtime and, and viewing and watching time um, with households for whether they're going to want to watch, you know, their local sports team play in a championship or their favorite streamer uh, play in an esports championship. Yeah, definitely. And something that I've always found interesting when it comes to uh, the the gaming versus like t- traditional kind of sports community is um, when you survey and, and there's a public, I think it's 12 year olds and you ask that or maybe eight. And what do you want to be when you grow up? And what are, what are the things that are typically at the top of the list you would think, oh, I want to be an astronaut, a professional athlete. I want to be this. And what was most interesting is in the past few years, influencer and YouTuber and social media influencer have been at the top of that list, even ahead of professional athlete and, and way ahead of astronaut. I think, you know, outside of Elon, who's, who's sitting behind me in the photo here, uh, you know, I don't know if, if people think that's realistic, but what I'm going to find so interesting is the moment that becoming a professional esports player takes ahead of becoming a professional athlete. And the reason being is this, if I were a parent right now, I would be, and my, uh, my son or daughter was choosing between the two, I would advise professional gaming every single time because take football, for example. You might only be in the league an average of three to five years. Yeah, you're going to get an awesome contract, but that's going to be it. You, you're going to have injuries along the way. It's going to be incredibly physically demanding, uh, and, and that's what your career is going to be. It's going to be three to five years where some of these gamers, yes, they, they are having to reinvent themselves, and certainly there's an age demo. What I found so so interesting is I was listening to some influencers in the gaming arena talk about it, and it was a 19-year-old kid, and he's like, yeah, it's just these new kids coming in are just, you know, they're just too fast for me, and I'm, I'm getting old, and I'm, you're a 19-year-old kid, and you're, and you're old for this, which is so crazy to think about, but I'm really interested to see what's that point where that eclipses and it becomes, you know, you know, we dream more about becoming a uh, professional esports player rather than an athlete. Do you have, do you have anything... Uh, any thoughts on that in particular? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from Riot Games' perspective, we're making a ton of investment in enabling our games to be played on multiple devices because we know a younger generation might be playing on a tablet. Yeah. Um, so bringing a game to a mobile device, I think, is really important for us. And it's our way of saying, okay, you know, we celebrate even the youngest of league players, right? Um, so the youngest, the oldest can still play together. So I think, you know, regardless of whether you're a gamer or an athlete, there's still this, you know, kind of idea that you're a hero, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got this responsibility to show young aspiring gamers, young aspiring athletes that they can do it too, right? Mm -hmm. That they can be among the greats. And I think a lot of kids need that. A lot of kids need that today. Uh, they need to know that they can have a future of being one of the best athletes in the world. They can have a future in a career as a gaming, as a streamer. And so I think there's, there's something that's really exciting and very powerful about that in that there are heroes among both gamers and there are heroes in athletes. Certainly. I love that analogy even... too of how you look at it. It's not even professional athletes or gamers or influencers, or it's really just heroes for young individuals. And, uh, you know, in, in certainly uh, difficult times, we are always looking for heroes, heroic stories, and, and we're looking ahead towards the future. Um, so obviously the gaming community, very well well positioned for, uh, you know, what, what took place with, with COVID and is still taking place. Uh, whereas professional sports, like arguably one of the worst outside of maybe, maybe movie theaters. Uh, so, so certainly like polar opposites in that arena, but as you look ahead, even post COVID and, and into next year and beyond, wh where do you see future marketing efforts leaning towards? Is there anything shifting, changing? I'd love to get your thoughts and, and almost like a, a crystal ball of the future. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, if I had a crystal ball, what I'm looking at in terms of the future, there are a couple of headwinds that I think we're going to, you know, continue to face uh, just as there are more streaming options, whether they be entertainment or more gaming, uh, more ways to access entertainment, more ways to access some of your favorite games across multiple devices. Um, and so I think one of the biggest challenges as a marketer that I'm looking at in the future is competing for that time uh, and competing for that attention. So, you know, what can I do to make uh, Valorant someone's main? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do I need to do to kind of make sure that they're committing their time to one of our titles as opposed to a competitive title, but also as opposed to something like an episodic show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one of the big opportunities for us as, as marketers. I think, you know, another big challenge, and it's probably similar from both gaming and athletics, is growing beyond just the core, right? So League of Legends is a hard game to play. We know that. But once you play, you play, right? Yeah. You're a true gamer. But we've expanded our IP in the last several years to offer and of more casual ways of getting involved in the lore. And so I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges is going to be how do I make sure that we continue to deliver a really killer experience, a narrative that our gamers, you know, that have been playing League 500 hours plus for the last 10 years 
still, you know, kind of find it to be this exceptional experience for them, but also how do I expand that um, so that other folks can enjoy this exciting experience as well. So I think those are kind of the biggest headwinds. And if I think about, you know, what what does the next generation of marketing look like or, you know, what is, what do the next five to 10 years look like uh, for my role? I think it's about making things fun, right? Like competition can be really stressful, right? Like you say you play Valorant for a couple hours and you're like, I just need some chill time, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think it's about, you know, making experiences for fans that, are not just competitive, but can balance that out with just a little bit of chill time and a lot, a lot more fun. So I think that that's, you know, kind of a focus for me is how do we make things more, uh, more fun? I think the other is something that the head of marketing at LAFC has shared with me a few times is one of their strategies, at least in kind of getting LA excited about a men's football team arriving in their city. He says, we went block by block. Right. And I think, you know, the future of fan base marketing is really a grassroots approach. Right. You've got to look at the community, whether it's block by block, uh, roof by roof, um, household by household. We've got to look at, you know, who are our biggest fans um, at a grassroots level, because that's our community. Right. That's who makes uh, a game great. That's who makes a sports team great. So I think that the grassroots is really important. And then I think the last is, you know, figuring out ways to just continue to give our biggest fans access, access to, you know, unique content, access to players, access to unique beta releases. It's just continuing to give rewards to some of our most loyal fans um, and make sure that they're recognized as part of our community. Yeah, that's incredible insight into the future. And I, I love uh, where, where your head's at in terms of, of looking at that. And my final question for you, we just saw a championship from the Lakers. We just saw a championship from the Dodgers. I don't see the Rams or Chargers bringing anything anytime soon and definitely not the Clippers. So 2022, 2023, should we expect some championships from uh, Angel City? No question. Perfect. No question at all. Good answer. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's LA is a place where legends are born. So we uh, we think the same thing about Angel City. Can't wait to hit the pitch 2022. Of course. Well, thank you again for your time. This was an incredible episode. And for all of our listeners here, I hope you got some good insight into all things fan experiences, both on the gaming side of things and then obviously professional sports too, which uh, you know, Kayla, I think this could have been like a nine hour conversation just because <laughs> unpacking like just Riot Games alone and everything there. And then Angel City, that that story. So for all the listeners here, I'd implore you to go learn more about both of those uh, that, that maybe I wasn't able to cover today. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. And Kayla, thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me.